There's a sense in which every one of us operates by faith. It's our motivation to do anything. Reason usually provides a foundation, but then we take a step of faith. So, when we get into a car, very few of us truly understand how the thing totally works. But we believe two things implicitly. We believe that a car can actually transport us to where we want to go. And we believe, perhaps with greater faith, that we will actually arrive safely at our destination. If we did not believe these two things, we would have no reason to get into a car. Now sometimes people have warped perceptions that prevent them from taking a reasonable step of faith. Now when this happens, we call it a disorder. There are people who are afraid to go out into the big world because they have agoraphobia. There are people who will not get into elevators because they have claustrophobia. There are people who would never consider going up with Monsignor in the airplane because they have acrophobia. Now this dynamic is also true in the spiritual world. Faith is simply the way that we see and understand the greater reality. When God's revelation through Israel and ultimately through Jesus Christ is truly believed, the world and all of its issues are seen in a very different way than those who do not have faith. And so Paul wrote to the Colossians that in Christ Jesus, all things were created through him and for him, and in him all things hold together. And if we do not see that, our lives will be disordered. In C.S. Lewis' final Narnia story, The Last Battle, There are some dwarves sitting inside a stable door. All of Narnia around them has been transformed by the coming of Aslan, the Jesus figure, to renew everything. But they refuse to believe it. In their minds, they are safely huddled inside a dingy stable, and they cannot see anything else. They refuse to see anything else. They keep saying, the dwarves are for the dwarves. We will not be taken in. And so Aslan explains, they will not let us help them. They have chosen cunning instead of belief. Their prison is only in their own minds, but they are in that prison, and they're so afraid of being taken in that they cannot be taken out. We live in a world created by God. We are a people who through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ have been loved and we're offered a healing from everything that hurts. It's right here. And so the ancient words of Moses are even greater today than when he first spoke them. This commandment which I command you this day is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off, but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart 
so that you can do it. Christian faith is a gift from God. It opens our eyes to an entirely new and different way of seeing, and we are immersed in love and goodness. We are given every reason for hope. Now, of course, there is also pain and hatred and evil, but it's important that we understand that love and hate, goodness and evil, are not equal competitors. Bad things exist because people for now are given the freedom to make choices in defiance of God's love. God's love is the ultimate reality. God's love is what is going to endure and faith is able to see this and that is why the greatest commandment is love. Now, is it reasonable for us to have this kind of faith? Many people are saying no, but there are two important reasons that support Christian faith. First, there is a witness to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that has not been able to be discredited or stamped out despite intense effort for almost 2,000 years. Second, Christian faith rightly understood best explains and answers the most basic issues and the hardest questions of our existence. And those who are open to faith will increasingly see it. When we exercise Christian faith, life begins to change. God's kind of love begins to imprint our lives and affect the things that we do. This is one way to understand Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan. Think about a contrast. Having or not having faith in God's kind of love makes a difference whether we see obstacles or opportunity. Luke tells us that the lawyer who questioned Jesus wished to justify himself. His world revolved around himself. He wasn't so much concerned with loving God, although he knew the right answer. He wanted to look good. And so in Jesus' story, the priest and the Levite, for all of their outward stature as religious people, looked at the ravaged victim, and all they saw was an obstacle. Maybe helping would have made them late for an appointment that they thought was more important than this wounded man. Maybe they thought the same kind of violence would happen to them if they tarried too long in that area. Maybe they thought the wounded man just wasn't worth it. But what they saw in that situation was an obstacle. And then there's the Samaritan. And to put it simply, he saw an opportunity to love. Now, it's relatively easy to talk about love. I think about that every time I come to preach. It's one thing to stand up here and talk about it. something else to live it. Talk can be good if it inspires us to act. But truly choosing to love the Lord your God 
with all your heart and with all your being and with all your strength, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself, that means doing something. Doing something with two of the commodities that we value the most, time and money. This Samaritan man took the time and he spent his own money. And if we choose to use our time and our money to love in godly ways, it will be because we have opened our hearts to the reality of faith. Either we will see unpleasant things around us as obstacles which just get in the way of our personal pleasure, or we will see them as opportunities to show the love of God. It depends on the nature of our faith. And so again, every one of us believes something. We all model a faith by what we do and how we do it. Can we dare to believe that every day, all day long, we are immersed in love and goodness simply because God has given himself to us in Jesus Christ? Jesus is calling us to love like him, to see the world around us as an opportunity to live in the love of God. This past week, our nation has been in shock at the recurring violence. What if everyone who professes faith in Jesus would simply choose to love like our Lord? Can you see it? Moses continues to tell us, it's not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is in your mouth. In just a moment, we're going to confess our faith in the creed. It is in your heart because you have been baptized. Can you see it? You can do it.